It's surprising in my surroundings. I'm finding the quietest estates these days. This representation of storm brewing. Amazed that the focus remains the vocal focal point of my change. I'm trying to show this industry I got range. Hello and welcome to the Rambling Runner Podcast. I'm your host, Matt Chittam, and this is the podcast for all the dedicated amateur runners out there who are working hard to get better while balancing running with the rest of their lives. And this show was presented by Mercury Mile. Do you want high-quality running gear but don't want to be driving all around town looking for it? Then Mercury Mile is your place. Just go to mercurymile.com, enter your sizes and preferences, and they will send you out a box of curated running goodies just for you. Best part, you keep what you love. You send back what you don't. But I have a feeling you're going to really like what's in that box. So go to mercurymile.com and use code RAMBLINGRUNNER10 at checkout to save $10. This episode is with Ron Romano. The reason I want to have Ron on above all the other valuable and valid reasons is because I don't know anybody who loves running as much as Ron does. He is so magnetic. He has this smile that never leaves his face. It really is a sight to behold. So I wanted to talk to him today to just try to grasp exactly what he has in running and to share it with you because I think we could all benefit from it. Ron is one heck of a runner, started later in life, and has really dedicated himself since then. And we talk about this. We talk about the years that he has gone without running and how that has actually positively affected his running and not hurt it and shoot a variety of other things as well. This was a really free-flowing and fun conversation with Ron, and I think you will really enjoy it. One more thing before we get into it. Megaton Coffee, the official drink of the Rambling Runner podcast. I love this stuff. I talk about it all the time, but I drink it more than I talk about it. That's for sure, because I have it every day in my home. The best way to buy it, at least for me, is to get the monthly subscription plan. I have them send out a bag to me a couple times a month is how it works out. And if you want to do that too, just go to their site megatoncoffee.com and enter code rambling at checkout and you'll save $5 on the first bag of your subscription order. Okay, let's get to it. Here is my podcast with Ron Romano. Hello, Ron, and welcome to the Rambling Runner podcast. Hey, Matt, thank you so much for having me on. I'm excited. That makes two of us, Ron. I've been loving following you for, I don't know, shoot, man, maybe the last year or two, you have been uh, someone who I love to follow, if for no other reason than the consistency. The consistency in so many ways, whether it's the constant racing, the huge smile, or the orange shorts. What is going on with the orange shorts, which always seem to make an appearance on race day? Oh, yeah, that's definitely part of my race kit, Matt, for sure. Uh, I run for a, a terrific club in the New York metropolitan area, New York City metropolitan area called Central Park Track Club. And uh, it was no secret that I was drawn to them, not only because they've got Olympic caliber runners and an amazing master's program, but orange has been my favorite color for a long time. So seeing their uniforms and outfits, which are heavily orange influenced, definitely drew me in. Oh, that is fantastic. So this isn't just a, a statement by you. This is part of the this is part of the uniform. It's part of the uniform, but it's definitely carried over into my own personal space, uh, even just on training runs and accessories that work well with orange. It, it's definitely kind of become my statement color and no question people people notice me by it for sure. 
Oh, I can imagine. I mean, you're, if for no other reason, then you probably have seen everybody in, in the greater New York area at a race at some point, whether they know it or not. I feel like you're racing all the time to the point where we were going to do record this episode today, uh, earlier today, but you were actually going to get your bib for the Brooklyn half that you're running this weekend. Like, do you, when you do you just do these races spontaneously, or do you have it kind of mapped out ahead of time, beginning of the year? Oh, it's kind of funny. Um, we, I, uh, I follow a schedule. I don't know in the running community, Gene Dykes has become, you know, somewhat of a legend folklore type of guy at 71 years old running sub three marathons. And he, he's somebody I certainly pay close attention to. I've gotten to know a little bit over the past year or so, a huge role model of mine and what he's doing in the running community and just, uh, you know, just shattering uh, people's expectations of what you can do at an age and Gene is just one of these guys who'll run a 250-mile stage race in Australia and come back, you know, 14 days later and run a sub-three marathon. So, you know, he's kind of shattered a lot of the, the pre-held conceptions about how often you can race and, you know, how many marathons a year you can run and, you know, things like that. And I think one thing I've learned over time running that is that one style certainly doesn't fit everybody. And, you know, there are many people, you know, running around trying to build up to a marathon or run a marathon because it's kind of the thing to do. But it's really not what they should be doing. It's not something they're really going to enjoy. Whereas for me, I live and breathe to get out there and run the majors and fly around and travel and and meet people and, and engage with them and, you know, share a love for running. You're right. So that's a great point, because a lot of people you know see the allure of the marathon and they try to gravitate to it but you know it's about much more than that with that said that's definitely your jam ron you're all about the marathon and you're doing you you know you're you put in a lot of miles that's for sure now have you always followed this kind of like this gene dykes model so to speak of the constant racing and things like that or have you kind of evolved into that yeah, it, it's definitely evolved over time, uh, Matt. I uh, originally, when I first got into running uh, in my mid-30s, I was fortunate enough to hook up with the very famous Greg McMillan now, um, who was a grad student in college all the way back then, um, just to, trying to make his way around. And he had a newsletter going and just was a great study in physiology, was a big fan of Lydiard and Joe Vigil. And, you know, the high mileage foundation approach to training and racing. And it worked for me. Um, My body adapted to it. I I quickly, you know, started to have some success in running and we became fast friends. And, you know, Greg's one of my one of my guys to this day. I still stay in touch with him. Um, So I raced a lot back then, but definitely not at all as focused as I am on the marathon now. You know, I ran, you know, your 10Ks, your 5Ks. Uh, Back then there were a little bit more other distances like 15k 20k um, a lot of those races have kind of gone by the wayside uh, but i did race a lot and enjoyed it and that whole kind of club atmosphere spirit of seeing other competitive runners on the weekend was just something that always you know it stimulated me and really got my juices flowing and you know just wanted to be competing with the other best runners around where i live let's say the tri-state area or wherever you're from you know just to get a chance to mix it up with the other best runners was something that really stoked my fire. So if he was a GA, how did you come into contact with him? Um, Greg, Greg had a newsletter. Um, I'm trying to remember. It might've been peak performance. It's really tricky to remember that far back. Remember I'm pretty old, Matt. So memory doesn't, <laughs> it doesn't work as well as you would like. Um, I, I bet, I bet you remember your race times though, Ron. <laughs> I, 
I do remember probably probably all of those for the second Matt, like most brothers, and we all want to hold on to those for the glory, right? Of what what they were. Um, but you know, Greg had a terrific newsletter that was steeped in you know exercise physiology, high mileage, you know, building a strong foundation, and it just you know it certainly clicked with me and. I really believe that email was just coming out back then. I know it's, I'm going to sound like a dinosaur and prehistoric, but hopefully that'll get a few laughs with your listeners because it's true. Uh, I'm not even sure if email may have just been coming around at that point. And at, I was getting my plans sent to me via fax back then. It's hard to imagine that, but that's how my training info came to me. And Greg and I uh, came to know each other. Now, did you have any inkling back then that he was going to become I, I'm not quite sure the right, the right adjective to use, but kind of like, you know, such a mainstay, I guess, within the running community. It's, I mean, Matt, it's absolutely mind boggling. I mean, this guy was, he was a grad student at the University of South Carolina. It would be like you and I now talking because of Instagram connection, the running community, right? You asked me to come on the podcast. He's like, hey, Ron, you want to come down for a VO2 max test? I'm going to use it for my for my graduate studies, I'm like, okay, sure. You know, so I go down to the University of South Carolina and I get a VO2 max test done in his lab. And, you know, here's this guy today, the author of, you know, countless books on running, you know, close friends with so many elite runners like Meb and uh, countless other elites that are, you know, have run for him at some point or another, use this coaching methodology. And, you know, just an amazing guy, just an amazing person. And, you know, definitely someone I, I consider, uh, I look up to for sure. Wow, that's amazing. I feel like, you know, we haven't been talking all that long. We've talked a little bit here on the podcast. We talked a little bit off air. But I feel like in like the 10 minutes we've been talking, you've already dropped a bunch of names that I'm like, oh, my goodness, you know that person? Like, would you, I mean, you you have a sales background. You have a big-time sales job, and you've been in a lot of sales jobs um, through the years. So, obviously, you are well-versed in, you know, drawing connections and kind of keeping people you know, in your kind of in your hemisphere, I guess, you know, in terms of your, your orbit, I guess a better way of saying it in terms of communication and staying up with people and cultivating relationships. When did running kind of fall into that same mix of like, Hey, like this is not only an athletic endeavor for me, but a social one as well. Matt, that is just such a great question. Um, a hundred percent, my, the foundation of my business, the tenants of my business are cultivating those core executive relationships and hospitals and health systems and, you know, LinkedIn, you know, we're joking around a little bit about that before, you know, having a platform there, connecting with other like-minded individuals, you know, showing them the services my company could provide. You know, I, I found that platform to be really successful for the people that work on my sales and service and marketing teams. And, you know, in Instagram and Facebook to me from the outside, I just was like, what is this? Like, I don't know if this is for me. Like I have people going on and posting about losing weight and, you know, their new image of having more muscle tone. Or I, I, I was very skeptical at first. And as I started to you know, really just Instagram more so than Facebook, because I started to pay attention to some people who I admire in the running community. And I saw that there was a way that you could actually talk to other elite runners, meet and connect and share, you know, just ideas about training and racing, get a chance to maybe meet the great Elliot Kipchoge, which I did on a shakeout run when it, in Central Park. I realized this is like born for somebody like me, you know, just oh kind my of reach, goodness. to reach out to other people. And I, I'm just overwhelmed by the fact that people are following me, you know, some 58 year old masters runner, you know, who's traveling around doing all these Abbott majors trying to do all six in one year. Cause only 35 or 40 people have done that. And 
it's just it's it's kind of amazing to me that people would actually pay any attention to me and what I'm doing along my own master's running journey. And, you know, at the end of the day, I think if you're having fun and your energy is good and you're passionate about something that will always come out, whether it's in the business world or in running or, you know, triathlon, swimming, whatever, whatever you're doing in life, I think it always comes out. Now, do you feel like you gain energy by being around other people or do you feel like you need to kind of like be in your own space and then kind of come out occasionally from a social side? Like you mentioned you're part of the Central Park Track Club. Do you really try to gear yourself towards running with other people? I I have a mix. As as a marathon runner, and I'm sure you know this, Matt, from talking to the elites that you have on, I, your, your episode with Mario Fraioli was great. He said, somebody I admire a lot, his writing style, his coaching and his own running too. Um, you know, there's certain people, you know, his, his writing is great. Peter Bromka is great. You know, there's just people in the industry, your, your podcast is great. But for me, you know, you should, you do a lot of miles on your own as a marathon runner. It's, it can be very isolated, but I really, really enjoy getting groups of people together. You know, it's become really a big thing, you know, before the Boston marathon, we had a shakeout run with a Facebook training group that I'm really active and involved with called the Boston Buddies, Boston Marathon Facebook page. We have almost 9,000 members at this point. And Des Linden's on there, Yuki's on there, Catherine Switzer's on there. So we've got former champions on the page. And then we have really you know, top-notch elite runners. But we had 150 people come to our shakeout run on the Charles river. And it's Holy just, cow. It's, yeah. I mean, 150, think about that. There's, there's races that don't draw 150 people. And it's just the energy that's there um, that we kind of share and give um, with other runners. And, you know, to me, it's genuine. People pick up on that. So, I mean, I feel like I do way better in a group setting. Um, I don't need the other people. I just think I'm kind of drawn to that kind of environment of just being around other runners and, you know, sharing my love for our sport and, you know, talking about training or gear or whatever, you know, if somebody has a goal in mind of what they're trying to do, they have a barrier or there's somewhere they're getting stuck, you know, I've been doing it a long time. So maybe I can help them or share some advice. Now, are, do you consider yourself a competitive person? Oh gosh. Yes. Yes. I'm very competitive. So then let me ask you this. If you're a competitive person, which I had no doubts how you're going to answer that question, frankly, <laughs> um, how do you handle the group atmosphere in terms of making sure that when you see the other people around you succeed, you don't take it personal, like, Oh man, they're succeeding and not me. And instead take the, the, the vein of like, Hey, this is great. Kind of like the rising tide, right. You know, like, you know, like a, you know a, a, what's it called? A, a rising tide lifts all boats, something like that. But yes. you know what I mean? Like how, how do you take it in the, the, you know, positive gracious spirit as opposed to that, you know, negative and kind of like, you know, if they get something, I might not get something spirit. Well, another great question. I, I think, you know, as a competitive person in anything, I don't care if you're playing ping pong or shooting pool in a, in a, in a bar, you want to win. Um, you know, I have a son who's 21 years old who became a really good high school runner. And people say to me, oh, did you let him beat you? Did you let him beat you at anything? And I'm like, are you kidding me? I coached all his baseball teams, his travel teams. He never, the first time he beat me in anything is when he earned it. Uh, so I don't, I don't believe in that. There's way too many participation trophies out today for, for kids and people that really shouldn't be getting a trophy or a medal because they just showed up. Um, but as far as how I am in that competitive arena, when I race, I'm going all out. If I put my sneakers on and I lace up, I'm racing. 
Um, unless it's, you know, some extreme circumstance where maybe I'm just doing a, a run and I'm maybe raising money for charity or something it might, or maybe I'm just trying to help somebody get a BQ. So it isn't a hard race for me, but it's just more or less a pace effort. When that race is over, Matt, I want to be the most supportive person in the world. I'm going to hug every person that's in my age group who beat me. And I'm going to tell them awesome work, great job. But deep down, I'm going to be figuring out how I can beat them the next time for sure. I mean, that's, that's just the way I'm wired. I love it. And that can be a tough needle to thread sometimes, especially if you find the same people that you're running against who you just want to, you know, it's like not necessarily your own personal record you're trying to strive for. It's I want to be that person or I always know who's at this race. And, you know, those other two or three people, I want to get those guys this year. Oh, oh, without a doubt. And, you know, the other thing, too, is, you know, when you're in your mid 30s and, you know, you're able to run in the in the low 240s and, you know, run a 115 and under half, you know, those days are gone forever. You're not going to suddenly come back at 58 and start running that fast again. But you know what you can do is you can find new goals, right? You can find new ways to to excite yourself and, and get yourself amped. And for me, seeing what Gene Dykes is doing at 70 and 71 years old, it's shown me, hey, the same goals I had when I first started, which were break 20 minutes in a 5K, break 40 minutes in a 10K, and break three hours. You know, as, as a runner who's trying to kind of show that you have credentials and you have some quality, I can do two of those three things right now. I can run sub-20s. I can run sub-40s. I just haven't gotten back to sub three yet at 58 and a half, but I'm, I'm going to get there and I will do whatever it takes to make that happen. But if not, I know that somewhere out there it's inspiring other runners because they say, wow, this guy can still run that fast at this age. I should be able to do that. I want to let this guy beat me. He's old. I got to beat the old dude. Ron, you just called yourself the old dude, but I know you're a young guy at heart because you also just called yourself 58 and a half. <laughs> I know when, when you start adding on the half mat, that's when you know it's getting bad. Right? I know, right? I've, 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 I've a four and a seven year old, so I, I hear this sort of thing all the time. I threw the half on. I mean, come on. I mean, I had to make it. I had to make it seem like it's better, right? Fifty and a half. I'm not just fifty eight. Fifty and a half. Yes, right. I'm sure. I'm sure for your sales goals, you round up though. <laughs> always, we always round up. Absolutely. <laughs> so let me ask you this then. You mentioned you, you focus on goals and they've evolved over time. What were the one or two goals that really gave you the most juice in your running career? Oh, that's another good one. I, I would say the biggest one of all was when I first qualified for Boston, which was in 1995, uh, dating myself even further, prehistoric. Uh, 1999, I ran 246 and qualified for the 100th Boston, which it's just the problem, the most historic marathon, in my opinion, ever. I don't, I'm not sure you could top the 100th Boston Marathon. And I think there were, I don't know, 15 or 18 former champions ran. Uh, it had the cupola. It was the largest marathon in the world for at least 10 to 12 years it took to be surpassed. There were 40, just about 40,000 runners in the race that day. And uh, training for that race, Matt, we treated it like it was the Olympics. I mean, you know, for me as a division one college baseball player, it's the closest thing I was ever going to get to being like, you know, let's I didn't become a pro baseball player. So this was my, my chance, right? This was kind of like the Olympics for me. And I trained like that. I ran 90 miles a week for 12 weeks. I did a 13th peak week at 105 miles and I did two taper weeks, which were still. And I ran 241 in the 100th Boston, and I was 436 out of like 40,000 runners. So for me, without a doubt, that 
that motivated me in a level that I didn't know that I had in me in terms of how hard I was willing to train and how much I was willing to put on the line to show up for that race and be competitive. And, you know, that's, that's definitely my, my favorite experience for sure to this point. And to finish in the top 1% of not only such a prestigious race, but also a race with such a talented field because of, you know, all the qualifiers that are running that race. When you had that achievement, were you able to revel in the accomplishment or were you kind of always looking at like, what little more could I do? Right. Like, all right, can I get under 140? I mean, under 240. Like, were you, were you able to, to revel in that? Cause that is a enormous accomplishment. Oh, Matt, thank you. So thank you so much for recognizing it. But in true, in true, um, you know, excellence on your part and identifying, you know, what makes runners runners, can we really revel in the moment? Can we really enjoy it for what it is? I don't, I don't know that you'll ever meet a runner. You know, I'm certainly, I'm not an Olympic runner. I'm not even close. I mean, it's just somebody who's a really solid age group runner who came to it in the mid thirties and had some super success and, and is just loving the sport even more now than ever. But no, I mean, runners, I don't think you're ever satisfied. For sure, I was thrilled that I placed that high. It was more about how high I placed, I think, that made me so proud. But no, you're never, you never happy. If you've run 230, you want 229, right? If you've run 220, you want a sub 220. Uh, whatever that number is, we're all going to keep, you know, chasing that next level. And I think that's the beauty of our sport. Um, but now, looking back now, if you ask me, you know, do I enjoy it? Oh, God, it makes my heart full. Um, you know, to look at, pictures like that well first of all i had hair then so matt that's a that's a plus well you have a lot of hair on your face <laughs> yeah i got the beard i got the beard <laughs> thing go i got the beard thing working for me i'm not sure i have anything else working but the beard is working there you go, there you go. <laughs> and that, that brings up another good point because i see a lot of these photos of you at races and I don't know if you're just really good at noticing the photographers on the course or if you're just oftentimes running with a smile on your face. Oh, my gosh. I get on our our, I'll have to invite you to our Boston Marathon, which is a.k.a. Boston Buddies Facebook page. I get trashed in the best way possible because only good friends can trash you. Right. You, You want good friends to give you give you the business. Right. You want them to you know, always give you grief, if you will. And I get trashed for being a cover model, the running cover model, like all this stuff, because yeah, I mean, I get the good running pictures. And I just think in truth, I'm happy, man. That's the truth. I'm having the time of my life out there. I feel great. I'm healthy. And I look back at my son's high school running friends who were, you know, 18, 19 years old, and now running in college 2021, half of them are injured, half of them have a stress fracture, half of them you know, aren't healthy enough to run a local 10 K the next weekend. And here I am running, you know, three marathons in 54 days and, you know, jumping in 10 Ks, five milers and everything a week apart and, and my body's holding up. So I, I just think that happiness hopefully comes out. I haven't paid off any of those photographers for the good shots. And, you know, on our team, we at Central Park Trackle team, we actually have some photographers on our team who are also great runners and they're just they're always in the right spot you know one of the shots from boston this year on the top of heartbreak hill i just like screamed you know that was such a good picture that well listen i am gonna i'm gonna send this podcast when it publishes to him uh he is just you know an amazing amazing photographer and he will be so happy to hear 
that you said that his name is John Tran and he runs for my team at Central Park Track Club. He is just one of the most talented photographers I know. And, uh, you know, he captured that moment forever. So I'm eternally grateful. Well, there you go. As someone who has never taken a good photo during a race, I, uh, I'm eternally jealous. I'm, I'm more Ron. I like, I'm one of those runners and they, there, there are a few of us out there. Uh, when I see them, I feel like they're a kindred spirit, so to speak, is that I'm like more of the Pez dispenser type. My <laughs> head just flies straight up in the air. And my face, I feel like I'm looking downward as I'm running. But if you look at my picture, it looks like I'm like, scar- like stargazing. Like my Matt, head is tilted all the way back. Matt, and- I got you. I got you, Matt. We're gonna meet up. We're gonna meet up for a run, and we're gonna we're gonna work on this, Matt. Let me tell you, we, we're gonna fun. we're gonna get this together for you, so you can get some top quality shots for your Instagram page for sure. We got this. Oh, yeah, see, Ron, I appreciate it. I gotta be honest with you. I have a face for radio, so I think the boat has sailed on this one. But you know, I once had a running coach who, you know, he was the former running coach for uh, Brown Track and Cross Country, and Bob Rothenberg, and who was doing a lot of work with local folk here in Rhode Island as part of the Ronald McDonald house running club, it was like pay 50 bucks. He coaches you for the year. And like all of it went to charity. It was like, it was a joke, right? This guy is like trained Olympians and here he is training my sorry, butt. but it was one of those things we'd be doing these track workouts and he'd be constantly saying, put your head down. And I'm like, what is he talking about? I'm looking at my feet. What is he talking about? And then I got a race picture back and I was like, Oh, now I get it. Oh, that sounds great. You're all about that six-star finisher I was following along. It's just like, when did that become something that had kind of a, I guess, what was, what, when did that germinate in your mind as something that you wanted to accomplish? Yeah, well, I mean, I, I've had a couple of substantial breaks um, in running, um, not from injuries, just from life, life things. One, one was a surgical thing, um, you know, when Ronnie was pretty young, um, just like a freak accident, if you will. And it took me away from running uh, for quite a few years uh, to get healthy again and to kind of rebuild my strength. And um, after I, you know, got healthy again and got back to running, I was gone for probably about three, four years between my late 30s and early 40s. And I came back at 45 and was able to run another sub three, uh, which was just, you know, that number is always magic to people, right? I mean, there's always some number that's magic. That number in marathon will always be magic. You know, my, my friend also does the Cloud 259 podcast. If you ever listen to them, they're... I have listened to that. It's a yeah. great show. Greg Lemelstein and Bren uh, Jones are good running friends of mine from Central Park Track Club. So that, they've uh, they've given that name the appropriate due and, and they focus on that. But after I did that, Ronnie, my son, was at the age of sports, you know, travel teams, baseball. And I just said, you know what? I did what I needed to do. I proved I can still run fast. I'm going to focus all my energies on coaching. And for nine years... I was that dad, you know, on the road, all the travel teams, you know, with baseball, uh, being there for all the things that you want to do as a father. And, um, you know, when he decided he wanted to run in high school, you know, I was 54. I was like, okay, you want to run? This is great. I can get back and get back into the game. So uh, that stimulated my reentry back into running. And after nine years of just like running for fun, you know, I never stopped running. I was always just running on the weekends or whatever, but not racing at all. And at 54, to come back after such a long time was just so reinvigorating and exciting for me. And I think my energy and passion is higher now than it was even when I was in my 30s and 40s. See, this is great because there's people out there who will, you know, have a lot of anxiety about like taking like a week off from running. Like, what will this do to my running? 
right? Or like if after a marathon, if they take, you know, four to six weeks of recovery time, they start worrying like, what's this going to do long-term to my running? I have running goals that I need to get to. You took nine years <laughs> of, running, of running races, right? I mean, you were still running, but you, you took, like you said, a, a pretty significant amount of time away, at least from a very serious way that you're doing it now. And here you are, like you're still kicking butt. So like, what advice do you give to people who are little too type A for their own good regarding recovery and just time away from the sport in terms of what it may do um, to them? I, I think it's another area that people do need to pay attention to. Um, it isn't just our bodies, Matt, as we know, the physical piece, you know, the parts, the wear and tears, things start to break down. We get tight. So we got a foam roll or, you know, get on the table with a good massage therapist or a good sports Cairo, which I, I'm very involved. I have people who work on me regularly to keep me healthy. And, you know, that's a big part of why I'm able to be successful and run the miles I have. But, you know, people need to understand you have to take some time away. And, you know, I'm, I'm okay with the people out there that have running streaks going for 10 and 14 and 15 years. It was just never my thing. Um, I love running. It's in my, it's in my blood. It's in my heart. Um, I never, when I hear people say, Oh no, I have to do a long run this weekend right off the bat. I know like something's not right, Matt. Like you, that's not how you should be looking at it. If you want to run a marathon for yourself and not for your coach or your boyfriend, your girlfriend, your husband, your a sibling, um, somebody, there's, no, there's none of that. I mean, sure, we all have our days where we're not looking forward to a hard workout. We don't want to go to the track and throw up or, you know, beat the hell out of ourselves to hit a goal. But you should love what you're doing. You should enjoy it. And I think the fact that I've had those gaps and I've had that time away has only, you know, drawn my interest level and my love for the sport to a whole other uh, height that I didn't believe was possible. And, you know, my I think I just want to share that, you know, passion with others for running that, hey, if Gene can do what he's doing at 71 and I can do, you know, some of the things I'm doing at 58, which are just not even in the same, you know, you know, area of comparison at all. But just we can do a lot more than we think is really what it comes down to. So. You know, don't be so worried about taking a couple of days off. Listen to your body and, you know, run your easy days easy. Run slow. You know, if you look at my Instagram feed, you'll notice there's a lot of photography in there and not just, you know, fun selfies of running with other runners. I, I love to take shots of, you know, the New York skyline, Central Park, when I'm in London, when I'm in Tokyo, wherever I am, because, you know, it just, it's just that reminder of the experience that you had out there with your friends or even alone, you know, architecture, buildings, history of the city, you know, it just kind of cements that, that run, you know, forever. It just memorializes it for you. Yeah. You bring up a couple of good points here. You know, I think with the run streakers, there's like, there's, it's, and you don't want to like put them all into one group. Right. I know some people who are on, you know, you know, say two years worth of run streaks or whatever, who, you know, do plenty of recovery. You know, a lot of their runs are, you know, the 30 to 45 minute super easy recovery run variety, which is like, hey, I just want to be active, right? Versus the, you know, like I can never take a day off hardcore mindset again, which might work for somebody, but also, you know, could be a debilitating long-term methodology. With that said, I love how you talked about the people who do the, oh, man, I have to do my long run this weekend. Again, in a vacuum, saying that one time doesn't mean anything. But if that's something that persists over a longer period of time, I think you're exactly right. That like that might indicate 
an improper relationship with running at that point. Like, you know, because this is a hobby. And if you can't enjoy your hobbies, then, you know, then there's something wrong. There, I think there, I think it goes back to Matt. And you would think I'd be the last person to be talking about it. But the marathon's not for everybody. Ultra marathons aren't for everybody. In fact, running isn't for everybody. You'd be amazed how many people outside of my running community think that I'm out there on the pulpit, you know, trying to win everybody over to running. I'm not, um, you know, maybe I might endorse cycling for some of my, you know, friends that are in my peer group or age group who have other injuries in life, or they're not as healthy. Maybe they've got a lot of weight to lose and they've got issues with diet or whatever, or stress. You know, I just think exercise is it's important. I don't care if you're walking on a treadmill. I don't care if you go walk your dog on a trail. I don't care if you start swimming, uh, ride a bicycle, just do something. You got to be active. You got to get out there and you have to do something. And I think, What's so critical and so important is once you start to do any sort of exercise, our body gets used to that routine, right? Just like anything else, whether it's getting up early in the morning or doing something after work, if you start to do it repetitively, it becomes a cycle and you want to do it. You want to feel like you check the box for the day. So that's, that's really what I'm about. But I think there's too many people out there today that are running as many marathons as I might be, but they're not enjoying themselves. They're not having fun at all. They're injured. They're hurt. And they're trying to chase a goal, but they're going the other way. They're getting slower. They're getting injured. And they're not getting the enjoyment out of it that they should be. So for those kind of people, I say to them, hey, you know, take a look at what you're doing. This style of training and racing, it's not going to work for very many people. It might work for Gene. It might work for me. But it's not going to work for a lot of other people. And so maybe what you want to do is run shorter distances, work on your speed. Um, don't, you know, race a couple of times a month, you know, you know, just figure out what works for you because, and Matt, I'm sure, you know, from all the guests you have on and the great coaches like Mario that are out there, you know, one size and one style definitely doesn't fit all. And another thing that you're not saying directly, but you're intimating is just the idea of what are you focusing on? Meaning, are you focusing on these metric goals or are you focusing on the process and the process not simply being like focusing on my running schedule, but like, hey, focusing on the, all right, twice a week, I'm going to run really hard and I'm going to look forward to it. And, you know, four to five times a week, I'm going to run, you know, pretty slow, but I'm going to enjoy that too. You know, and just and kind of taking the week, the month, the season with that vein, or it's just like, hey, I'm just looking forward to these races and, you know, that's how I do it. And it's also why so many people get into these uh, running clubs as well or looking for social outlets. I feel like there's so many ways to vary up your running experience where if you're not liking it, just start changing things. Start doing things that maybe you're uncomfortable doing because, hey, that probably means you've never tried it before. And maybe it's something that you can like. You know, it doesn't mean that you don't like running forever or the rest of your life, even if you take a time away. But I think there's so many things, whether it's Ragnar or trail races or getting involved with like, you know, the, the, the free 5k on Thursday nights with like the local running club. Like there's so many different outlets that can spur growth or just excitement in you as opposed to the 12 to 16 marathon, 12 to 16 week marathon cycle, which might have, you know, kind of illuminated your mind before, but now seems like a drag. Yeah, you, you, you nailed it. Um, you know, if you, if you run a lot of miles on your own and you're out there, you know, and it's in the dark, maybe you have to run before work, you know, like you said, do some work, find a club, 
uh, find a park to run in, find some community groups. You know, if you want to run with other women, you want to run with other guys, you want to run in a non-competitive environment versus competitive, which a club like I'm on with Central Park Track Club, there's something out there for everybody. If you do a little research to your point and use Instagram and Facebook to your advantage, there's so many private running groups on Facebook. There's so many uh, opportunities to, to get together at shakeouts at these races and just meet other like-minded people. And, and really at the end of the day, what I try to stress to everybody, man, if you're not having fun, why are you doing it? It's fun. Running is fun. And between those lines, when that gun goes off, I'm racing you, Matt. I'm racing everybody out there on that course, but I'm really racing the guy in the mirror, right? That's, you know, the Goggins approach. It's like, you look in the mirror, who are you trying to be? You're trying to be the best version of yourself, right? You want to, what level are you after? What are you trying to achieve? And one thing I'm like focused on myself now, because I'm not going to beat my times from when I was in my thirties, but 80% age grade is like national class ranking as a runner, man or woman. So that's something I chase today. And any race that's out there, age grade calculators, all the, the larger races, New York Roadrunners, the um, major marathons, they all employ it. They all use it. And in Boston, Joan Samuelson won the age grading competition. So that was that was pretty cool. But they actually did a little story on it. And Gene Dykes ran 258, came sixth. And, you know, in between there, there was a host of other elite runners that are different ages that were between Joan and, and Gene. But it just gives you something. You've got to find something, right, that, that's going to keep the, the fire burning and keep you motivated. That's exactly right. And for people who aren't aware of this, what they did was they take everybody's finishing time and basically use a formula and, you know, for lack of a better term, multiply basically some, some formula within their age to the time and then rank everybody in sort of like an age related age affiliated ranking and in that log in, in that algorithm joan benoit samuelson won the boston marathon yeah which is insane <laughs> uh i love the fact that she was rocking her d3 track jersey too as a as a d3 athlete myself i know your your son you know is, is a nescac uh, a NESCAC um, student as well as was uh, Joni. Uh, it's uh, it is nice to see the the homegrown not only for the the local New Englander uh, coming down from the Maine, but also seeing just the the D three recognition, which I'm always a fan of. Oh yeah, I mean, look, who doesn't love Joni? Come on, she's uh, she's a legend of legends. She's she's literally she may be the top and the most legendary of all after what she did you know, coming back from her knee surgery, you know, like literally before the Olympic trials and then going out and, you know, just crushing everybody and winning the gold in the first uh, women's marathon, the Olympics. And, you know, she certainly was one of those people, our sport, the uniqueness of it all, Matt, as you know, you know, you go to these races and you can talk to Joan and you could take a picture with Joan and, you know, you can talk about running and chat about life and what's going on and her daughter's running today. And, it's just a beautiful, the beauty of our sport. You can hang out with Meb and Dez and, and Kipchoge and do a 5K run in Central Park. I mean, what other sport in the world? Do you think you're going to get batting practice with Derek Jeter in baseball? You know, unless you're, unless you're a billionaire, you're not going to play in a pro-am with Tiger Woods, right? So, like, we don't, the opportunities in those other sports just don't exist the way they do in running, and we're, we're really lucky. Well said. That that that's one hundred percent true. Yeah, I haven't been in a pickup game with LeBron James, so I can't I can't <laughs> speak to, can't speak to that at all. Uh, that's for sure. So you obviously know your running history, and you're well versed in running. You care about it very much. Who are some of the people that you've learned the most from? 
Well, I think, you know, definitely like today, you know, I really pay close attention to kind of the things that Gene is doing. I follow him closely um, after we kind of connected and became, you know, friends on Facebook. Uh, he said he was going to go for the American record in the, in the half marathon in Philly. And I said, okay, you know, I'm going to come down and cheer you on. And he goes, well, why don't you come down and stay at my house? You know, we can hang out for a couple of days, you know, again, in typical runners community fashion, you know, just two running people who love the sport. who don't know each other. Guy invites you down to his house. You get to hang out with him, spend a few days with him and his wife, meet his close circle of friends. And, you know, Gene is like a legend in the Philadelphia running community. So after running, um, the Philly half marathon together where Gene in fact did set the American record. And I ran my fifties PR of 127 high, uh, in Philly. I was inspired only 13 days after New York to run a good time. You know, that that's, um, it's hard for me not to have that guy to look up to just as somebody who's doing it the right way and inspiring so many and showing people like what you can still do. If you believe, you know, that those barriers aren't real, you know, break them down, you know, kind of, you know, just push through and, you know, keep, keep going for like really, really big goals. So he's, he's somebody who's definitely influencing me a lot today. And, you know, I honestly, Greg was a lot younger than me. He was a junior guy, but you know, as a, just a, a brilliant guy who studied the greats, you know, Lydiard and Joe Vigil and uh, you know, many of the great, great running coaches of, of the day uh, you know, Greg influenced me a lot in how to train and you know how to go about training in the right way to be successful in the marathon. And, you know, those foundational principles serve me well in running and, you know, they, they serve me well in life overall. So they're, they're definitely two people who've had a big, left a big, big mark on me today. And then my friend Kate Powerty, who I run a lot of miles with today, uh, you know, is somebody who I'm inspired by. Uh, she won the JFK 50 miler. Um, and beat Oh, that's two. all. That's yeah. All. She, yeah. Just, and by the way, it was like her first, her first 50 miler, and she only beat two Western States 100 winners in that race. And <laughs> oh, she, only, that she, she took the lead at 41 miles into a 50 mile, 50 mile race, and she's dropping like 645s, 650s, the last nine mile of a 50 mile race, which by the way, the weather was terrible this year. So it was really snowy on the trail portion and muddy and snowy, and it was not optimum conditions at all. And she just smoked it. And won, you know, that race against a stellar field. And then she came back to place 22nd in Boston this year in her first Boston. She ran 238 low. So she's somebody I, I train a lot with and just admire her, her style, man. She just gets after it and works so hard. And, and uh, just, this, just an awesome person to, uh, to grind the miles with and somebody I look up to. So how has your training or your views on training evolved over the last two decades? Oh, 100% um, running easy miles, a lot more easy, you know, either just paying no attention to the watch at all, or, you know, not people, too many people, too many people focus on Strava, like, you know, Strava segments, what mile pace am I averaging for a workout, you know, on the hard days? Yeah, of course you want to be focused. You want to be laser focused on what you're trying to accomplish and get done. But on the easy days, you got to be the exact opposite. You got to be willing to run really slowly. And hey, I'd get runs out there, Matt, where I'm averaging 9:30, 10-minute pace, and I'm taking you know 120 pictures you know, of the New York City skyline. And you know, I don't stop. I'm just shooting them as I go along and taking pictures, sunrise, sunset, Central Park, uh, of course, the uh, fun selfies with friends along the way. Um, just in, you know, just trying to really learn how to enjoy 
those easy days more. And part of enjoying it is just like being part of your surroundings. And so for one thing for certain, I never did that in my late 30s and early 40s, man. It was grind hard all the time. It was push hard all the time. And then even on your easy days, you're still running seven flat or, you know, low seven minute pace. And you're really not giving your body the real time it needs to recover. So I think I've learned a lot there. And I definitely am a big advocate of that, of, you know, really, you know, taking easy days. And as far as the schedule, look, I don't really even follow a schedule. I had three marathons in 54 days, the first three um, majors of the year. If I want to take four days off in a row after Tokyo, I do. If I want to take one or two days off, I do. I don't, I don't like write that portion out. I just go completely by, you know, how I'm feeling. And when my body's ready, just get back, you know, get back into it. That's wonderful. All right. You've been so generous with your time and I really appreciate it. I feel like I could talk to you forever. I go down to New York quite often for work. I definitely have to ring you up at least on your easy day. Cause I could probably keep up with you then. But um, Last thing is what is your advice for people who want to enjoy, basically want to experience the same sort of joy in running that you are experiencing? Wow. That's a great question. Um, I, I think for me, one thing that had a, a pro- profound impact was those spells away from running, Matt. I think anytime we really love something and we truly, you know, deeply love it, if we're forced to take some time away from it, if we're if we lose a loved one or we're separated from a loved one or some activity in our life, it just really brings you know depth and meaning to it. If, if you are forced to take some time away from something you really love and, and it forced is really the wrong word. Cause these are choices you make as a parent, right? You have two, two young ones yourself. I wouldn't trade one of those weeks, months or years for anything because it, it was such a, such an important and unbelievably fulfilling period of life for me as a dad, you know, to be in the dugout with my son and watching him pitch and, you know, hit home runs, <laughs> running around the bases or be it as uh, cross country meets, you wouldn't change any of it, but to then be back, um, doing it again and, and finding that I could still do it pretty, you know, at a pretty fast, some pretty fast speeds. I'm getting, I'm getting there. I, I've got a long ways to go. Um, and I, I just feel like for anybody, if they can find that kind of joy uh, in running the way I have, their life is going to be, is going to be pretty fulfilled. And, you know, I think a big, having a big goal is always important too, right. Or big goals. Um, there's so many women I know that have made the Olympic trials recently. And I just know what a, what a life-changing moment that is for them. It just validates, you know, all that hard training that they've done and, you know, to achieve something that difficult and that remarkable and get a chance to compete, you know, with the top, their top peers across the country in Atlanta for them will be like a life, a life-changing experience. And, you know, that's just something I think you have to find some big goals or one big goal, let's say in running or in the sport that are going to really fulfill you. And, you know, I have one right now, the world age group, championships in london 2020 yes i'm exactly i'm currently ranked high enough and i'm holding on to my spot so wish me luck brother because i really want to be there and i want to represent and that would mean an awful lot to me at my age to be out there and have a chance to line up with the other top age groupers in the world in london 2020 absolutely and this actually is the second time this has come up on the podcast in two months and i think this is a great idea just like I love how people strive for the, the OTQ, I feel like this is another thing that people can strive for in a different season of their life. No question. I think uh, Abbott is just doing so many things right right now. And uh, the six-star journey and their marketing and just the, the opportunity it gives people. 
look, running is amazing, but you know, running and traveling and seeing the world and learning about other cultures. I mean, how could you, how can you top that? It's, it's, hard, it's hard to beat. And along the way, you just meet so many interesting people and you meet so many fun, like-minded people. You're meeting people from so many different countries that have the same kind of goals in mind in life. And, uh, you know, God bless. It's wonderful. And you're one of them. Thank you so much, Ron. I really appreciate you coming on. Hey, Matt, thank you so much. It was my pleasure. This was really fun. Thank you again, Ron, for coming on the show. Boy, this was so much fun. I hope you had as much fun listening to this episode as I did uh, conducting it because Ron was one heck of a guy and just so much fun to talk to. Thank you to not only him, but to Mercury Mile and Megaton Coffee for sponsoring this episode. I love these companies, and I think you will too if you haven't already checked them out. I know the people who have. They stick by it as well. So go to mercurymile.com and megatoncoffee.com to learn more about ways you can not only get high-quality things in your life, but have them sent to you without even leaving your home. Thank you so much for listening, sharing, rating, and reviewing the podcast. I cannot thank you enough. I've had a lot of people reach out to me with potential guest suggestions as well which is also very valuable, you can do so by emailing me at ramblingrunnerpodcast at gmail.com and also DMing me at rambling underscore runner on Instagram. Also, something in the works here at Rambling Runner headquarters. I just bought uh, a new domain name for the show. Going to start in, uh, a website and maybe some more things as well. I'll share when there's more updates, but I'm so excited about it that I do want to leave that teaser there. Thank you so much and happy running. Enterprising in my surroundings, I'm finding the quietest escapes these days. This representation of storm brewing, amazed that the focus remains the vocal focal point of my change. I'm trying to show this industry I got range.